Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast about upcycling. It's Reclaimed Audio with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Roots, and Tim Sway. Welcome to Reclaimed Audio. I'm Mark Spagnolo, and with me as always is Tim Sway and Bill Lutz. Hey, Mark. How, how you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's, what's going on, boys? It's so good to be here. It's good to yeah. have you guys back. I know. It's been a few days. It's nice to chat with you again, you know? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. A lot can happen in a few days, so lots yeah. to talk about today. How, yeah. How's the, uh, how's the yeah. snow snowpack? Wait, are you hang, 12 feet yet? I'm getting some interference. What was that sound? Did you hear that? Yeah, no, that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> I bring Mark onto the show, and I'm super excited. Finally, have my best friend on the show, and then, and then I get left out in the in the Colorado cold over here. The problem is, I just whenever I'm on a show, I kind of just take it over. I'm used to hosting. It's it's just a thing. It's a problem. It's a sickness, really. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, serious. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something serious out there real quick, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the last Wood Talk I listened. I'm a few behind, but the last mm-hmm. one I listened to. Um, dog farts were mentioned quite a few times, but Millie got out and you yes. left the show. Yeah. So yeah. did you find Millie? I did. Yeah. Uh, we okay, actually good. found her at the village center. Somebody, uh, let, it's basically like an HOA paid for thing. But, um, so yeah, they basically said, Hey, we've got somebody's dog. And I went there and said, do you have my dog? And they said, yes. And we got reconnected and all is well. But you had it to wait like, till four o'clock for them to get home. Yes, exactly. They put yeah. they they just basically shoved her in their backyard somewhere, then went to work, and I had to wait for them to come home to <laughs> right. get my dog back. So, right, yeah. So that was See, a blast. Yeah, I paid attention. So suck it, Lutz. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, well, I'm just saying, Phil. If you decided you ever just wanted to up and leave the show, I think the world won't end. I'm just you know, I'm just throwing it out there. Wow. If bags can do it, the truth works. You can do it. In, in one yeah, week, true. it just all turns around. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Spins me right round like a record yeah. over here. <laughs> Anyways. Right, um, Phil, just to, to show that you still know how to do it, do you want to bring us into this uh, podcast? Yeah, let's not do that, this thing. No pressure, but if, if it's not perfect, you know. I mean, it's hard to follow in, in footsteps the size of Mark's, but uh, this is episode 75 for April 12th, 2017. Our top Patreon supporters are Luis Gonzalez, Make Build Modify, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Trustin Timber, Sean Petty, Scott Turner, Andrew Reed, Randall Denver, and Greg Mead. Uh, what are we working on? What's, what's on the old benchy bench? Uh, since Mark was super mean to me, I'm going first. So (laughs) (laughs) my loss, I guess. So, wow, nerds. So I just finished up, uh, 22 bunny boxes and I've been, uh, yeah. Yeah. It felt like a real accomplishment. I have to tell you. I mean, there weren't anything specifically beautiful or gorgeous or whatever, but it were, they were 22 of them. So it was a nice little feeling to finish them up. But um, in case anyone's not following me on Instagram, which sounds like a crime, um, you can check out what I'm doing there. But it's uh, it's this little home decor tchotchke kind of thing, which is a cast aluminum bunny. And we're doing them as giveaways for some high-end customers. And each one of them gets like put inside a, a box with an acrylic lid. And then one of our artists in the studio is going to be painting one of them. So I saw uh, one of them today, one of our artists, Graham who I know is listening and is a big fan of Mark's, uh, did one. And I thought, I was like, I saw it. I was like, this is amazing. He's like, oh, no, it's just a gel medium transfer thing. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, just just to clarify, he's painting the box and not the bunny, correct? That is correct, Bill. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, because yes. the bunny is shiny aluminum. And as we discussed earlier about my snowball, I like shiny things. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, that's true. Um Anyway, so that leaves me room now, and I, I got a couple of Etsy orders, but whatever. That I still have time now. I think I'm going to really launch into my next YouTube video, so I'm excited about that. And that's what I'm working on. Next, uh, let's do the, the, the guest. Mark, uh, what are you up to? I am refinishing. It seems like it's never ending. I basically made a outdoor table, like, I don't know, maybe three years ago. Put it out in the Arizona summer weather and never looked at it again. And uh, that's obviously not a great thing to do. So I'm like paying the price now by having to do a lot of epoxy fills and completely wow. refinish the whole thing. Hold on. I just uh, popped my headphones out. It's my Jersey hand talking there. 
<laughs> I don't know what that means. Jersey hand talking. Sounded oh. cool. Oh, okay. Wow. You ever see oh. some Jersey talking? I thought that was like the Italian, like. Hey, Bobby. what's the matter? Hey, exactly. <laughs> I'm walking I'm, here. Hey, over here. <laughs> if, so, if people could only have seen that gesture just now. It's good stuff. It's really it was good. mostly yeah. clean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, trying to refinish these things, it's just, if I would have finished it right the first time, I would not be in this position. So it's like insult to injury kind of project, but, uh, I'm, I'm basically treating it almost like you would a boat, you know? So you, using Marine varnish, putting on like six, seven coats, just because I don't want to have to do this again in a year. And it's just a, it's oil based finish. So it's taken forever to cure and it's oh. occasionally it rains cause I'm not in Arizona anymore. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's something new that I have to deal with, but it's just taken forever. So I am looking forward to seeing that project done and actually be able to use it because the weather's getting really, really nice around here this time of year. So yeah. hmm. must be nice. Tim, are you getting as much rain and cold as I'm getting? Uh, it just lifted for us the other day. And, uh, just yesterday it finally felt like spring and, uh, and so I was out, you know, twirling around and saying hi to the, the birds and everything. And, you know, and then Women we dancing. got some, yeah, I was the, doing my whole thing, you know, <laughs> exactly. You know, Sounds about right. Typical day at my headquarters there. And, um, and we, we, uh, we got a new, uh, the, the people that have bees on the property got a new bee boxes in. So there's some new bees there. <laughs> Get it. New bees. I don't know. Um, that was borderline. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about it all day, and I blew the delivery, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> that was my big thing. Uh, thank you. Good night. <laughs> um, but is it my turn to do what I'm working on? Is sure. that why you threw it over? Yeah. Uh, I just finished up. Yeah. Okay. I just finished up that bass guitar. You guys guitar. are like the master at this whole segue thing. Just, yeah, masters. Um, I just finished up a, a bass guitar build. There's, I put the video out. I just I finished the, the bass about a week or so ago, but the video just came out, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I'm excited to make some more guitars. I just started some ideas for this other guitar that'll probably be a while before I I do the videos and stuff. But I, I got some ideas, and um, oh yeah, I'm making a bunch of furniture like I, I usually am. Um, but oh, what I wanted to mention because I forgot to mention it last week was that my my Festool uh random orbit sander that i ordered in 1975 finally came in <laughs> and um uh, and That's i was excited so, i was very excited you know the, the the little toolbox that it comes in like the little plastic case is 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 beautiful like they always have those molded cases when you buy tools that are just like you can barely fit the tool back in it and you can't put any accessories in but this yes. is like actually a well-built case like just right there it's like wow there's a step above like typical tools you buy and then the cord is detachable and i assume interchangeable with other tools which seems like a really nice feature and it's extra long because like that copper is expensive these are the types of things you're paying for when you buy a festool so there's like all these little things about it i turned it on and i sanded this one little piece of wood like this thing and then i put it back in the box and now i'm afraid to use it <laughs> <laughs> so, i haven't used it yet i keep like grabbing my other one because i'm like sanding all this like garbagey reclaimed wood with nails sticking out of it and stuff so i'm just saving it for like the 220 code like the final sands on on nicer things i'm doing and not the rough and tumble stuff that i'm doing that's nice. that's what i've decided okay so, i'd love I'm, to get your impression of like the the performance of both tools as a sort of as a comparison yeah i have Harbor to freight and fest tool i doubt if there's any difference yeah. <laughs> um, whatever they both sand you know? <laughs> that's the only difference right yeah, yeah. But and packaging, I mean, you know, but uh, just the packaging alone, like I, I can't, I can't give a proper review of the thing because I'm afraid to use it. But the packaging alone, just the fit and finish of the box is just brilliant, you know. So that's what I'm doing is I'm trying to not use my new sander. <laughs> I've heard of babying tools, but a sander is never one that I thought about like that. But <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I mean. Neither of us. It, it's yeah. You know, well, it was only a hundred bucks, which is really not a lot. It's you right. know, well, but the value—the value is really high. It's just they right. did this crazy sale on it. So yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, yeah. So there's just that. It's like that logo. It's just like staring at me, and it's like you're not worthy. <laughs> you know, it's like playing mind <laughs> games with me. So I'm just like, I'm gonna grab my Ryobi and just finish this. You know. <laughs> yeah, you may want to cut back on the meds if the logo is talking to you. <laughs> oh, it was, Play it was a fun with day. me, team. <laughs> Or don't, whatever. Put your hand on me. <laughs> Super creepy. He, he's not reacting. That's not the first time you've heard that, huh, Terry? Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you? I'm doing a podcast, Always guys. In my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lutz. How about you, man? What have you been up to? 
Um, I, I'm kind of, I'm excited. I got a few projects going on. One of the things I was doing is I was watching a Vance Maker's latest video in which you did not let him use the new Festool sander either. Oh no, that was, that was an old video. I just reposted or Vance reposted because we're still putting up his old videos on the channel. You can say what you want, father of the year. Um, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so I just finished up, uh, making my cigar box guitar and now I'm, I'm going to start on a nine volt battery, uh, amp that I can plug stuff into Awesome. as well as I'm going to make a couple of, I have some, uh, screwed up acrylic sheets that are all scraped that I found and I'm going to use that to mount a bunch of stickers too that I got from Atlanta. Mm. And instead of sticking them on my cabinet, I'll put them on those first. So when I move out of this house and the landlords don't want stickers everywhere, I can remove them with me and take them. So, and that and a sandwich board for the salon. I found a uh, chalkboard, like a, your old school. Remember like in grade school, they had like a four by eight sheet. That was a chalkboard, that green color. Mm-hmm. I found one of those. Is so it, I can't fit it in Ikea. I, ha- not a real I have to cut it in half to get it in the car. Yeah. Not, not a real, not a real slate one, but like one of those composite. No, it's like it's. It, you remember they're green. They're like a yeah. green, like an olive green color. Yeah. So I'm going to use that and make a uh, sandwich board for the salon. Cool. Nice. Cool. So I'm busy. Awesome. Boom! I'm moving, shaking. The world's the world is now turning because I exist. That's it, probably uh, true. Yeah. I'd agree with okay. that. Yeah. There Fair enough. Go. Okay, so let's move on to our topic. Since we have uh, Mark Spagnola, who I feel we didn't spend enough time sort of introducing. You guys have probably never heard of him, but he's this guy named the Wood Whisperer, and uh, and he's been in this game uh, for a very, very long time. Um, and I actually remember, I think my first introduction to you, Mark, was when you were on uh, a tech TV segment with Leo Laporte, and you yeah. gave him this, uh, this, Japanese, this Japanese charging station. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. The gadget that w- station, right? Yeah, I thought that was awesome, and that was way before I was making. I was just like, I guess, a nerd from way back. So yeah. that was the one thing that stuck with me when I was like, "Oh, I've seen that guy. Where's Tech nice. TV?" And then so it was That's a weird crazy. sort of yeah, it was like a worlds collide thing for me. So uh, so that was nice. neat. But you are the you are sort of like the the grandfather of this uh, sort of online movement, and it's really cool to finally get to chat with you like face to face. So no, it it's it's cool to to be here. I've got the gray hair to prove it. I feel like the uh, the grandfather these days. I'm I talked to I talked to Cremona. It's like talking to one of my kids. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly tease him. He's like we make references on the show about like '80s shows, and I'm like, oh, okay, you weren't born yet. Never mind. <laughs> He wasn't born in the eighties. No, I'm sure he was, but we, you know, barely. Like barely to, yeah, exactly, barely. I don't, like know, I don't know exactly when, but he's young. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Bill, what's his uh, what's his social security number? Oh uh, no, I have it written down. I have yeah, written I figured. Down. I figured. <laughs> I figured. Matt, Matt's been uh, so. I think we should do like a, our first Mark experience, don't you? This is like the OG. Yeah. Mark is the OG. I don't know about yeah. that. Well, I'm, just, I was I'm the one who, does, like, in spite of the criticism, I just don't stop, and that's 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 the reason I've been around so long. <laughs> Please stop! Well, nope, I, I, not going to do it. <laughs> so I discovered YouTube. I was telling the guys earlier because somebody showed me like a kitty cat on top of an out of balance washing machine, and I'm like, yeah, this thing ain't going nowhere. <laughs> um, but then somebody told me you could look things up, and I found that useful. And so I looked up inlays, ah, yeah. and you came up. With like a six hour, no, like 45 minute video. And I'm like, well, I'm going to skip through this thing because I don't need to learn all that kind of, you know, 45 minute. I watched every minute of it. It was amazing. And that was my first time. And then I went to like it because people said on YouTube, you can push the like button. I tried to like it. And then it said I had to join and have an account. And I thought, what is this? This, no, I'm not doing all this. (laughs) Conspiracy. It was. And so I think it was um, about our, I don't know how many, 20 episodes in that I finally admitted that I had forgotten after all these years because I've always just referenced you by Googling anything I want to know about woodworking. I Google you and uh, I had realized that we had already been doing a podcast for quite a while and I <laughs> I finally subscribed to your channel. So nice. that was well, the recent well, thing, you. but so, that was <laughs> hey. that was my, my introduction to Mark. Well, cool. You're part of the problem, Bill. I mean, people should just subscribe from, from the beginning. That would be appreciated. Phil, you're right. We found a filter replacement. We're all set. 
I mean, I always think like, should I tell people to subscribe? I know that's a thing that people do. Hey, like the video and subscribe. I'm like, if they want to subscribe, they're going to like, if they like it, they're going to subscribe. Right. But obviously not. I need to start. Hey, if it wasn't for that, that whole big brother thing, trying to keep you into their, you know, (laughs) I tried to like your video. I thought I wanted to give it a thumbs up and it wouldn't let me do it. Brother was keeping you out. Yeah. Yeah, It's the man. And that's crazy that that particular video, the inlay video is the one that kind of, um, it's the exception that proves the rule in, in YouTube. Just that a long time ago, you know, it was the amount of time I thought I needed to explain this thing. It's 45 minutes. And that's like, that's like the uncut edition of Lord of the Rings, you know, yeah. in, in, in YouTube minutes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm surprised at how well that video has done over the years, just given how much detail is in that. So, but it's cool, man. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you found it one way or another. Yeah, yeah. No, we were talking. You are, and I, I've said this since, uh, you are the king of explaining things. Uh, you make us feel like we're not idiots and you're doing not <laughs> simple things. I mean, you're you're actually doing intricate woodwork and it's easy to follow and understand and you get the idea. Um, you're good at that, obviously, because you just celebrated 10 years. 10 years, 10 man. years of podcasterating. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's tricky too. I mean, if, um, it's, I guess just an instinctual thing for me. I don't think too much about it, but when I explain something, I feel there's one way that I could explain it best. And a lot of the way we produce content these days says, no, that's not the way people want to see it. So I always have this like internal battle with how I want to explain something, but how I know that content might be received by the general public, you know, so it's, it's a little bit tricky. You, you seem to seriously answer a lot of questions that people don't get a chance to ask as they're watching. I mean, um, sure. You know, when try to anticipate what people are thinking. Yeah. It's like, so your explanations are as clean and simple. I mean, anyway, I'm, well, I'm you. just gushing. I'm I just appreciate gushing. it. En- enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear more about Tim. Yeah. And his first experience with Mark. <laughs> Why do you like me, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think I think Bill actually kind of summed it up. Um, that's that is like the when when I find myself looking to learn how to do something, I find myself on your channel quite often, um, as well as uh, Mere Mortals, um, you know, who's also been around for a while. And um, and you know, it's just like that. There's that you know, I and a lot of people that have kind of fallen in the footsteps. We do these sort of stylized things, and they're not necessarily educational. But uh, yeah, but so that was to. I'll just wrap that up real quick, so you can just punch it in again. But yeah, what I really enjoy about Mark's channel is that is when I'm when I'm looking to learn how to do something, you know, reclaimed or not, I know I can go to that channel, and that's and I, I gotta find the answer. Well, thank you. That's awesome. You, know. you guys, you guys are making me feel good. Okay, well, we're going to ruin that next. <laughs> yeah, that really was not the intent. I thought you guys were just going to crap on me the whole time, but okay, I'll take this. <laughs> now so, we're talking. <laughs> I was but, outvoted. But to get to get to our to our topic, um, you know, you don't specifically use reclaims, although I'm, what I've found is that pretty much every woodworker I've ever talked to, there's, there's a respect and a reverence for the material um, mm-hmm. that they use. And I know that you often will put up videos like where you use your scraps and your cutoffs to make things. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you, A, you respect the wood, but also it's like, you know, it costs you money. You know, it's like you don't want right. to just throw that away. Um, and so, you know, with our topic hybrid uh, woodworking, that was one of the things I was thinking about is that, you know, what you're doing and what you're encouraging other people to do is definitely better than just shopping in some store. Because if you're buying factory-made furniture, I mean, you know the waste that goes on in those types of situations. Oh, yeah. Not to mention the footprint of the, the driving and stuff. So um, I was kind of curious about, um, so if you make a table... And you, you know you buy you make it a seven foot long dining table and you buy eight foot long pieces of whatever you know unicorn horn or something, um, <laughs> you know you have that foot left over. Like, do you what are your measures and practices when you're going about preparing your material to save? Um, you know, yeah. Usually, I mean, the the more valuable it is, the more likely it is I'm just going to hang on to it because even if it comes down to the smallest thing that you could do with it, like an inlay or some kind of marquetry that piece has value. So I'm going to hold on to it. Uh, but there is a point where there's, there's two different things that I will do with material. One is if it's a, uh, if it's a, a small enough piece and it's a domestic, I love barbecue. So instead of going out and buying chips and things like that, I actually use a lot of my domestic stuff in uh, my smoker uh, and just use it for flavoring. Um, if it is something that is still, you know, like walnut, I might not necessarily smoke with walnut, but, you know, walnut's expensive. It's pretty valuable. Uh, something else that I will do is if it gets to the point that I can't use the material anymore, I find people who can. And there are lots of turners who could take that one 
like one foot piece of eight quarter walnut that I may have no use for and can make tons of pen blanks out of it or other, other type of thing, uh, you know, especially scroll saw workers as well. Uh, those people need very small pieces. So there's always someone else further down the chain in woodworking who might be able to use a smaller scale piece. Uh, the very last thing, if it even ever happens is throwing something away. Um, it's just making sure that it gets into the hands of someone who can use it or goes through my own process of, uh, either using it for smoking or just hanging on to it. And I've even now in the new shop, uh, gave away a lot of my material. I still now have this pile of stuff that's already amassing of just parts that are just too big to give away and too small to immediately go into the next project, but I got to hold on to it. The gray area. I know it well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, now that you're living in the tundra, are you going to be saving wood to heat the shop? <laughs> Not quite that uh, cold here. I have very oh. uh, energy efficient electric heaters. Um, huh? And that's sarcastic because they're horrible. Um, but yeah, I've got two forced air heaters. The good thing though, is the space is totally insulated. The garage doors are really well insulated. Um, so I've gone, I mean, granted it's been an extremely mild winter for the Denver, Denver area. Um, but I, you know, maybe turn them on for a couple of minutes, just get it warm enough that I'm comfortable in a jacket and I'm fine, you know, so I don't really have to, to burn too much uh, energy keeping the place warm. I'm jealous. That's pretty good. But, but Tim, yeah. you, you, the, your your premise for this this point of the conversation was exactly what I had in my mind because I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going on this show called Reclaimed Audio, and I'm a guy who's known for like going to get Babingo, which is now like CITES protected, and, and like that's the stuff that I usually work with, and I was thinking, but you know what? And that's that's the, my favorite point about this is I think anyone who does what we do has a certain level of consciousness about our purchasing habits. And, you know, the fact is we're making things that will last a very long time. And even if I give furniture away that I don't want anymore, something I've made, chances are the person I give it to, it's not going to find its way into a yard sale anytime soon or, uh, you know, a landfill. Um, so I think just by virtue of building things with our hands, we are making valuable stuff that people just value more and will be the types of furniture that stick around for a while. So I, I feel like we're all sort of contributing in a way, to to not necessarily uh, giving into the whole consumerism uh, aspect of things that is quite tempting these days. Mm. Well said. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I was going to make the point that you talked about sort of, um, um, you know, the smaller scraps and how you use them. I found myself actually, uh, what I did for these, these bunny boxes was I thought I bought enough material for it. And I got like these 96 inch long by 16 inch wide, you know, those glued up project boards. Yeah. So... And I didn't think of how, or I, I miscalculated how wide or tall the boxes were going to need to be, so I'd cut strips out of it. So it landed up being that I needed six inches of height. So that was, and I was thinking I was going to get three wide oh, from yeah. that project board. So instead I got two, and I got like a little bit left over. And at the end, I needed to make two more boxes from like the four or five boards that I bought. So I realized, you know what, they're just gluing them up. Why can't I do that? So I took all these scraps that were left over and I glued them together and I was able to get two boxes out of that. Mm -hmm. And it's that sort of like mind frame that maybe I wasn't necessarily going to think about initially because I was thinking like, okay, I got to get my butt over to Home Depot again and buy another one of these boards and bring it back. And yeah, I guess I'll have some leftover scrap or whatever. But then I realized, oh, there's this huge pile of scrap over here that could be boxes problem solved. And I, I think it's that kind of uh, problem solving approach that, you know, we all sort of uh, have to engage in, if not already, then certainly more so. I think once you realize that you can glue two pieces of wood together, and it's just as good in terms of just strength and stability as a single piece of that thickness or width. And the same thing, I, I do this all the time with, with thickness. There's times where it's like, oh, I don't want to go out and buy an eight quarter board for this one thing, but I've got a ton of, you know, one inch stock, four quarter stock that I could just sandwich these things together and get what I need out of it. And if it's not a visually critical part, why not do it? You know, it yeah. uses up the material. It's got a couple of glue lines in there, but if it's not critical, you know, you're not going to see it all the time. Who cares? It's going to be just as strong. Why not? do that to use the material for sure. Yeah. And sometimes it's even more stable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Crossing it and stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. That's uh, with, with reclaimed. That's something you find yourself doing a lot is like trying to, to solve problems with, you know, structural issues with the wood right. and whatnot. I'm like, Oh, well, this board's cracked and I don't have another one that matches from the same barn and I got to make this table. How am I going to, you know, figure that out or right. butterfly it or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's the same. I mean, again, it's like the same uh, mentality, whether it's reclaimed or not, you know, 
Interesting. So what other kind of methodology can we be talking about that sort of is in line with uh, with that? Not necessarily using reclaimed material, but being as maybe conservation conscious as possible with just like people who aren't reclaimed woodworkers specifically, kind of like the way Mark works, like making sure that, you know, you're using your scrap as efficiently as possible. It, you know, Tim, you heat your shop with a lot of your scraps. So that's certainly... I was going to say I'm probably the worst of the four of us for that because I do, and I'm, you know, I'm coming out of a, a pretty cold winter, and I, I'm very quick nowadays to throw it in the, into the, the, the fireplace because uh, I heat my shop on my scrap as well as some locally felled trees and whatnot. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely changed over the past couple of years that I'm just I get to this point because I was so overwhelmed, and now I'm finally starting to kind of clean out of all these little broken pieces that have kept me warm, and and they were just like you know more trouble than they were worth. They weren't. 12 inch pieces of you know four quarter walnut you know they're 12 inch pieces of some like rotten piece of bug infested barn wood from a, you know, something but um yeah it's uh it's it's definitely you know the, the carbon footprint is not is, is really there because it's low you know it's all in the same generation or whatever but still it's uh it's something that I, i've been very aware of every time i throw one of those pieces of wood into the fireplace i'm like man i'm not not being as good as spags over there <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> so, can we do some kind of a hybrid reclaim? Where I mean, I know Tim, you already said you do it. Mark, do you do any where you will use barnwood along with new bought stuff to create something? Have you ever done something like that? I do it. I know that, but yeah, you know, I've sourced some barnwood before. When I lived in Phoenix, there's a, a great place called um, Porter Barnwood. And they have just all kinds of great materials. So the guy was, you know, was super nice to me. Uh, got a couple of boards, took them home, and I just never did anything with them. And part of mm-hmm. my problem is, you know, and I think this is this is where my problem with reclaimed stock goes. And I think the other thing is this might also be the thing that that you know folks like you love about this is you know woodworking and furniture making and wood in general is unpredictable as it is right even if you take a brand new piece of wood perfectly you know looks great but this thing could go haywire on you so when i look at reclaimed stock a lot of the times it's thinner than i really want it to be mm-hmm. you know because of course it started out at some nominal thickness and then was worn over time and it it was a finished thing and now i'm taking it back and i want to make something else so I also have this this problem where I want everything to be flat and square and straight. And it's hard to do that a lot of times with this reclaimed stuff. You, you woodworkers. <laughs> right? I mean, and, and there there is a little bit of a perfectionist, you know, sort of um, uh, mindset that, that this is uh, – and that's part of the reason why I just can't get into it as much is because I want this stuff to at least start straight, square, and predictable for as predictable as wood can be. So when I look at the other – you know, I got this just beautiful stuff. I think it was – um mushroom something or other. Mushroom like it was the Yes. And this stuff was gorgeous. Like um, just visual, visually just amazing. But the only thing I could think to do with it was to apply it to something else because it, there wasn't enough thickness or structural stability in that board for it to be, uh, you know, something on its own. So again, I just kind of like held on to it and, and never wound up doing anything with it, you know, because I got, and it's, you know, what you guys do requires a hell of a lot of creativity because you got to come up with solutions to these problems and ways to incorporate imperfect stock. And I guess that's like a degree of laziness that I have where, yeah. where I'm afraid to jump into those things because I want the wood to do what I want it to do. You know, Re- Reclaim is one way or the other. It's either you find something that you can make do with or you're paying a premium for mm. wood that's reclaimed that has been milled down. It is perfect. Yeah. It is straight. You know, old beams and things like that where they've yep. done all that work for you. But then it's, you know, more expensive than walnut or or um, bumblebee or whatever you said, boobinga wamba. <laughs> Bumble bumblebinga. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. Bumblebee tuna. He, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. If I could source, you know, I mean, being in a new area here in the Denver area, I certainly might come across other resources where I might be able to find thicker timbers to work with. Were you Were you going to say beetle kill, Bill? No, no. I was going to say uh, Mitchell Dillman lives in Colorado Springs and. Mm-hmm. He's got a thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's has a small YouTube channel, but he's made a business out of using um, uh, reclaimed material from the forest fires, wildfires. Oh, okay. And a lot of it, he, may, he does this log, wood furniture, things like that. But, I mean, people have come to him and said, hey, this tree, you know, during the wildfire was on our property. Can you do something with it? So he mills it down. And in and of itself, that's a reclaimed uh, material that he gets actual quarter sawn, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. He does all that milling and stuff too. But nice. yeah, so there's places out there like that where they use a lot of the wildfire from, I guess, 
10 years ago, there was a bunch of them in Colorado. Yeah. I actually uh, got a contact for, I can't remember exactly the name of this place, but uh, they basically go in any felled tree, you know, just by a storm mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, natural causes. Uh, they take these urban trees, mill them up into slabs and then sell them at their, at this location. And it's like, well, there's a great use for this stuff, you know, and it's a gorgeous thick stock and there's nothing wrong with it. It just, uh, you know, some natural disaster occurred and knocked this thing over and, uh, you know, woodworkers can make use of it. So that, that probably, I would get into it if I had more meat you know, to play with there. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would get into it a lot more. Well, and that's, and that's local too, which is a, which is, you know, again, mm-hmm. to get into the eco and environmental friendly part, it, it, you're not supporting a banana Republic somewhere that's milling down the Bovinga forest and you're, right. you know, and you're not trucking it and stuff, but there's also in your area, there's, um, the, the beetle kill, uh, trees. There was some kind of blight that happened out there or is happening out there i don't know mm-hmm. too too much about it because i'm on the east coast but uh th- that wood is very interesting to look at and it's, uh, it's a pretty strong straight statement that might be something that would be interesting sure. for the wood whisperer to oh definitely well we have the ash borer right do you do you have that tim um we have it's it's coming up from southern california yeah we have we have a couple different ones i'm, I'm not too hip to them but i know that there's that one that was in colorado that was like this big thing you know okay because in ontario they're basically clear-cutting all of the ash because, oh yeah yeah there's this the ash borer and it's just it's killing them all so they're all like sort of preemptively yeah. taking them down yeah i heard about that i heard about that i think uh matthias has a whole bunch of him on his property and he's just he's that's what he's doing. The, the most recent videos have been like him milling down some of that ash. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I was going to say in response to Mark's sort of like, um, you know, conversation point about how you need the, the thick material and you're looking for straight and S4S and all of your stuff. Uh, I think that's sort of a, a different coming up that you had in woodworking, whereas mm-hmm. the woodworkers from today are really getting are starting because of this rustic reclaimed imperfect where it, it is more accessible that way like you don't need to have you know all the jointing and planing and squaring stuff that right. you know that the rest of us have right now you just get in there you take a couple pallets together you you Still know you try on to a cut. cordless drill you know? yeah that's it yeah. so it it makes it makes the the enterprise or the hobby much more accessible to the beginner but mm-hmm. it takes it maybe further away for farther away from let's say mastering it kind of the way English is like the easiest language to pick up or the hardest to master. Right. So it, I think there are two different schools on getting into the craft. One is sort of the really pick up and go easy reclaim. And the other one is more of the traditional guild type um, entrance Mm. into it. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, if you look at classic traditional fine woodworking, you know, in the last 30 some odd years, you're, it's always about, you got to have a jointer, you got to have a planer, you know, you got to be able to make this stock exactly what you want it to be. And you can go out and buy whatever you need. It's really not worried about sourcing stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you just get what, Oh, the, the, this whole collection of trees here, all these different species, this is your palette and you're the painter, pick the color you want, go buy it, you know? And, and these days you're right. I mean, depending on how you get into this stuff, you may be approaching it from a whole different mindset than, than the one that started me into the craft. So mm. well, Mark, didn't you used to live in California? I did. Yeah. So I, I think what's happened is it, it, the West Coast has produced the very last of the real woodworkers, and that was you, because we started with you know, George Nakashima, we had Sam Maloof, and of course, David Marks is still around, mm-hmm. and now you. So the West Coast has done their part. Hold on. So you, just, you just put me in a very uh, distinct list of people. I, well, I'm saying <laughs> the West Coast has done its in. part. <laughs> what about Canada and the East Coast? What are you guys contributing to this whole thing? I mean, come Slackers. on. Slackers. <laughs> well, we're contributing a platform for you to speak your piece, Bill. So, <laughs> so you're welcome. World. I was going to add though. <laughs> after Spagnolo, there comes loot. So there you go. And oh, and you no, know what? I'm not even sure it's a full. It's not a full step. I think it's only a half step between Spagnolo and Lutz. I think it's more like a no, between, trip. I think it's more like a crack. I think Mark <laughs> stepped off of porch wrong one time, and that's. Uh... <laughs> So um, it's interesting where this conversation is going. I was curious to know, like, so that was your coming up was the traditional woodworking route where you're saying sort of, uh, you know, consideration for the ecosystem and sustainability wasn't really a factor. It was more like pick the best part of the board, chuck mm-hmm. the rest or use it whenever you need to or you don't, whatever it's up to you. These things are forever, you know, coming um, versus the really sort of eco-minded, reclaimed Barnwood pallet stuff and everything is a is a scarce resource coming up that 
I think the three of us have sort of had. Um, <laughs> yeah. Assuming, well, you know, assuming is, that we have come re- up. So I wanted to know where is... you... Sorry, Phil. <laughs> what I was going to say is that Reclaimed, you got to remember, especially out here in California, Reclaimed is one of two things. It's either people think, which are wrong, is that it's a style of woodworking or it's actually a, a resource for wood or material. It's a resource of materials, which is what it's supposed to be. But Reclaimed is actually, people think it's a style out here. It's like rustic furniture or, oh, look, I bought this Reclaimed thing because it looks a certain way. No, it's it's because of the source of the materials is why it's reclaimed. So there's actually three things, traditional, real reclaimed, and what it looks like. Well, what it no? looks like can Maybe? be faked with like all kinds of paint. And, you know, we've had stuff. Yeah, go to Target. You, know. you can see that right now. Well, well that's, see, that's, that's one of the frustrating things, too, is, you know, as, as someone who is on the fine woodworking side of things and, and just kind of observing what other people are doing and, you know, wanting to respect what other people do. But then you go through the mall and I see a Colorado sign that's made to look. I have, I'm sure it was some, you know, I don't know, Asian import material that was used to make this. But there's this like beautiful looking Colorado painted sign that looks like it was made out of pallets. But it's in this like really boutique type store. And I'm like, you know what? That thing was probably made, it made in China, like, or Taiwan. Like this is not, but, but it is. That's where that whole thing, I think once it's in the mainstream, it becomes a style. You know, mm-hmm. so and it, it totally loses its original meaning. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to um, the High Point uh, Furniture Market in a week and a half. So this is probably the best, or not the best, the biggest furniture trade show that happens in the U.S. and it happens twice a year. And uh, and in the previous shows that I've been to, I go to the regional one in Vegas, and you know these looks that we're talking about that Bill's talking about are definitely in the mainstream, sort of the palette rustic mm-hmm. look. Um, I actually designed a piece for work and I did it out of, uh, out of fence plank, right? And I did a whole bunch of little houses and they were all cut out and it's arranged in this whole thing. It doesn't matter what it actually looks like. When I got to China to see how they reproduced it, it was done on MDF, CNC'd out. So all these individual houses that I'd done were actually just cut from one big MDF board. And then it was painted to look distressed. (laughs) So there definitely is a distinction between the material and the look. So you're a hundred percent right, Bill. Um, my question for what was that, and that's <laughs> why again, I never, just and that's why I never say it. You <laughs> mostly because it's not true, but uh, in this case, because <laughs> you just write it. Let's, um, let's say, we have a guest. Let's wait till the therapy session next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, you're right. There is a difference between the look and the material. Yes. Yeah. So, based on those two things, sort of the two upbringings of of traditional woodworking versus I don't want to say modern. But let's say, I don't know, the more accessible version that seems to be predominant right now. Where do you see woodworking going? Is that a question for me? Yes, you, Mark. Jeez, that's a heavy, heavy duty one. Um, I don't know. See, I mean, my, my opinion on where things are going could be tainted by my own experience and where I basically where I want things to go. But I don't want, you know, where what I like about woodworking, I don't want to necessarily assume that that's what everyone likes. You know, this is my journey. Everybody else is on their journey and I respect that. So honestly, I think it's going more in the direction that we're seeing now. I think more people, it's becoming more accessible. People are using, you know, less than perfect materials, which makes it easier. There is a little bit of a counter thing happening where some of these less than perfect reclaimed materials are astronomically expensive because now we know that they have value, so it becomes even harder for some of these people to get their hands on this stuff. Um, but I, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, I, I enjoy just going along for the ride because I've, I kind of gave up on predicting where things were going to go because I would never have predicted that the, the environment that we all play in would look like it does today. Mm. Sure. Um, I, I would never have expected that, you know, a good percentage of my audience would eventually be making videos too. Like, I, I always thought that'd be cool. But the barrier to entry was so big in the beginning that no one did. And now everybody's got, you know, an HD camera, 4K cameras in their phones, you know? So it's like, it's so easy to produce content. And I think that is also influencing where things are going because I think people are, are making projects that make good content. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because if I were making everything for the sake of the content and for the sake of what I think the audience would enjoy, my woodworking would start to go downhill, not uphill. And that's just giving into the general populace. Mm. So I don't know that that's necessarily a good place for us all to end up, but 
I don't know. It's just the things that I think about when, when so many of us makers and these creative people are doing things that they think make good video. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's exactly going to t- turn us into better craftspeople in the future. I, I, I don't really know, but that's a tough one. I mean, where, what do you think? What do you guys think? I mean, is well, I, well, think- I, I say Kyle Toth, Kyle Toth is a, uh, what, 2020, 22, maybe, <laughs> but he's traditionally trained. He went to North Bennett school in Boston. Um, and he's a good example of, I, I see a, a lot of people doing the reclaimed, a lot of easy entry, but I also see a, an interest too. in people actually wanting to go to school for woodworking for trades. And, um, so t- maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's everything. Maybe, maybe accessibility wanna- is becoming. I want to I want to draw a line in the sand here. Though, that the, the content creation and, and woodworking are, are two different things, and that there's a there's Correct. people that do both of them. But mm-hmm. you know, like if you, if you want to make things, the, that's different than if you want to make videos. And some some people want to do both, but they're two different things. Um, if you're making stuff just for the sake of making videos, that's a totally different thing than if you're making stuff for the sake of bettering the environment around you. Um, obviously there's, there's learning and education and all that stuff involved in the video making, but it's not the same, you know, do you, do you guys find it difficult to judge something like this? I feel like because we're in the environment we're in, most of the people, at least most of the people I know are making content, you know? So even though they're great craftspeople, the, the concept of like documenting what you're doing online is, is just very popular. Everybody wants to do it. Yeah, And it's a different craft. It's not, you know, it really is. There are fantastic woodworkers that make horrible videos and the other way around, you know? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it does make me wonder if, you know, people in our position, are we even going to see the results or, or be able to notice the results necessarily? Because we are, you know, focused on this content stuff. Um, will I know how many teenagers this year, are instead of going to a four-year college are going into some kind of a trade do i have the you know connections to to know that information i don't know mm-hmm. you know so I, I firmly like believe that my opinion on all this stuff is totally colored by the environment that i play in all the time it's very very hard for me to predict because i don't know what the real world quote unquote the real world is doing absolutely i know what youtube is doing yeah you know i i, I feel like when i started doing stuff on youtube i mean there was there's a couple of reasons but one of them was that i just wanted to show that there are people like me out there for people who might be interested in knowing that there are people like me because when i was a kid i had no way of finding that there were people that did stuff like me yeah. you know and so if now i have this platform so i can show when i when i was 15 years old if i could have seen a video of someone like me now i would be like oh it's okay i'm gonna be all right i'm not gonna die in this horrible high school <laughs> you know that there's this life for the people that are different uh and so that's why i do it it's just like and if it's one kid or 100 kids that's either way is a success you know uh to for just sure. to, to show them that they can be themselves you know i think we're in an environment where uh, it's a little bit of an anti-establishment towards you know the traditional university path you know exactly what tim's doing right now um, <laughs> you know it really is i mean you're looking at people who are graduating with a freaking undergraduate degree which at the end of the day is like the new high school as far as sort of what minimum criteria is for an office job and you're a hundred grand in debt it's just it's mind-blowing to me so where you need a master's degree to be earning six figures means that you are walking out of there $250,000 in debt, and that's just ludicrous. So I think people are turning to high-paying trades as an alternative, and that's becoming less stigmatized and is becoming more socially rewarded. So I think there is a transformation that we're in right now, and I think we should all be proud to be part of it, frankly, because I think YouTube is playing a big part in perhaps glorifying the you know making with your hands, just being able to see people who do. Well, I, I think there's the a... Opportunity. a, a yeah, there's there's also yeah. a lot of people out there that have the misconception that they're going to make some videos and and they can quit their day job. Well, I told you um, you can't do that. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't quit, did you? I, trust me. Yeah, I wish. I, I, I gave my notice this morning. Well, it's all it's all easy. You just got to make you know one viral video. You're done. You can yeah. just you know retire Ooh, off of that. That's it. Well, I but, actually um, get um I get the question quite a bit from uh, you know kids that are like last couple of years of high school and they're they're looking to become a professional woodworker. And then they're asking me questions about video and how to make, you know, podcasts. And uh, usually the advice I give is like, look, if your goal is to just be a high level craftsperson and you want to sell the things you make, 
you may be using YouTube, you may be using, you know, content creation as part of your strategy and your marketing, but I don't think that you should be focusing on that right now. You know, you still have time to just become so much better at what, you know, what I'm trying to do. You could be way, way better if you just practice a little bit and you just get in the shop and just build things, you know? So I think there is a little bit of that, the glorifying aspect that makes it like, oh, that's what I want to do. But in reality, you know, for some people that may not be the best path to take uh, if they just want to be at the top of their game. It's mm -hmm. aspirational though, right? It's kind of chicken and the egg in that regard. Like, I mean, if you, if you don't know about a Lamborghini, like you're, you know, you, there's something you got to shoot for. And I think yeah. seeing your example is the thing that makes them strive for it in the first place. So if yep. there is a reality check that happens, you know, it's not that far removed from what, what they ought to be doing. Like you have that lineage that you're pointing back and say, guys, I did classes with him. I studied with him. I did, you know, this, and then the videos and all that stuff came after, you know, you can do that too, but you have to start from step one. Yeah. And ultimately I, I got to think that, you know, so many young people are watching th these videos out there and just like, I don't know, there's one thing I want to make sure my kid like knows how to do is fix stuff. You know, like if I've succeeded as a father, if my son doesn't pick up, you know, his phone and find a, a plumber for every little thing or an electrician for every little thing. And that's one of my goals is to make sure the kid just knows how to get stuff done. Because I, I guarantee out of all the potential people, you know, when, when he's old enough to, to be married, out of all the potential people that woman could pick, he's going to be one of the few who knows how to like get on. I'm sorry. I don't know if we're allowed to curse here, but. Oh, you're not. So I'll okay, good. That. I'll take that back. <laughs> that would, I, I didn't say that. Um, did you mark gonna, the Phil? Did you mark the time where Mark said? <laughs> oh, I hate you. Oh, oh, he did too. I was uh, going to do that again to keep it going. No, no, don't worry about I it. I figured I'll just that gets less funny with each one. No, I'll just beep you. It's cool. Okay, but you know, ultimately, I just think it's our jobs to make sure that the next generation doesn't think that every problem can be solved by uh, making a phone call and paying someone else to do it. You know, so I got to think that what we do, whether it glorifies it or not, or gives a false impression of, oh, I want to be a YouTube star instead of actually learning how to do this stuff. Um, these kids are, are seeing that people are doing stuff. People are building, mm. they're making, they're mm -hmm. getting things done. And I, I feel like that's got to have a grand total net positive effect on the next generation. I know it has on my kids. So like already we have like a motto in my house and my son repeats it forever. He's like, daddy, in our house, we're builders, right? And I said, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. and like, and he says that. And like, if my daughter who's, she's two, he's four, if she breaks his Lego or whatever, he looks at her and he goes, Emmy, we don't break. We're builders here. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, that's like, I just, I could just walk away right now. Like, that's it. I've, I've left, I, I've given them the best. Yeah, I did it. It's know? only downhill from here. Oh okay. yeah, for sure. Well, I actually, my, my son was putting uh, just a couple of Lego kits together on the kitchen table the other day. And he's like, he goes, Daddy, he's like, get get your camera, take a video. So I take <laughs> yeah. a video, and this is where I start to see what my influence has actually been. I, like, I think I'm teaching my son how to get things done, but what I'm actually teaching him is how to be, you know, a ham in front of the camera. <laughs> so I start filming him, and he goes, okay, on today's show, we're going to put together this. I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Like, he's, he knows way too much about what I do now. <laughs> like, so, yeah, he's, I had to create a whole be... second YouTube channel for that problem. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, you know, when I built the bearded dragon enclosure, they uh, wanted to make their Here we own go. enclosure too. And <laughs> the problem is, is the opposable thumbs with the hammer. They keep dropping it. Yeah. I, I built them little tiny hammers and they still can't hold it. <laughs> bearded dragons are great, by the way. I yes, used to they actually, are. I used to um, want to be a herpetologist before I went to school for other types of biology. Uh, but yeah, I used to keep lizards and my first, the first thing I ever built, like that was like a cabinet was actually a enclosure for, uh, my lizard and snake collection. Don't justify Bill yes. Luke, please. Oh, <laughs> I, did. I can Just die happy Bill now. feel good. Just making him feel good. That's, I can that's die happy. the opposite of what we do here, Mark. If you want <laughs> oh, to sit in. We're running out of time. Uh. Yeah. Be well, I'm also, between, I'm also a drummer, Tim. I play music, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. And Phil, we both yep. have brown hair, so there's that. We have other things in common. <laughs> I'd say be, be, between say uh, between between my best friend Spags uh, and I's in common with reptile thing and Izzy Swan picking me up like a four year old girl and kissing me, I can die a happy man. There you go. <laughs> you've made it, sir. Yeah, that's yeah. I've I've peaked. You you've won at life.
(laughs) (laughs) And I think, uh, I think maybe on that note, we will, uh, I think we've thoroughly covered hybrid reclaimed. Well, I don't, I don't think we did, but I think we got some really valuable insight from Mark. Which is, you know, said words. I'm being serious. Uh, I think that we have some very valuable insight and in, in some, you know, commonality between people that you know are, are working in reclaim and people that aren't. Some of the differences. I thought it was a very valuable uh, lesson for all those those kids out there that are watching the videos and listening to the podcast that want to do this stuff. They can see both mm-hmm. sides of the coin and uh, and where they might fit in. So that's what I'm in. Well, they go back go back a few episodes and you can see Mark take scrap wood and make a couple of um, bat uh, oh bat. Good looking jewelry boxes out of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I did yeah. see that. Um, let me just mark the time because Bill's a jerk. Uh. <laughs> that might be the opener right there. Let me mark the time because Bill's a jerk. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anything's ever going to top you making out with Slovenian dudes. Yeah, yeah, that was a good that one. was fun. That, that was, was funny. Fun. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sad thing is, I wasn't drinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so one anyway, in, yeah. Should we get to uh, what you're? Yeah, I see what you're doing there. So, <laughs> why don't we? Uh, why don't we move on? What are we watching? Let's um, let's give Mark time to vamp here. Uh, Bill, what are you watching? Um, you know, I'm into this whole making guitar, cigar box guitar thing, music. I I don't have any musical talent. Actually, if it wasn't for the total lack of any musical talent whatsoever, I would have been a rock star. But now I'm 50 <laughs> and I'm making musical instruments and I'm learning how to play them. So I've been watching a guy, uh, Nigel McTrusty is his name. And he uh, does a lot of teaching you how to play different songs on a three-string slide guitar. So that's that's been my obsession lately. Ben ben Uetta's, uh they, they end their shows talking about that. What are you obsessing with now mm. at the end of the show? Mm. So that's what I'm obsessing with is cigar box guitars. Beautiful. That's right. You heard it here first. Wow. Nice, nice chord. Nailed it. <laughs> Tim? It's a G, an oh, open G. You're a G. Uh, on, on a I don't, similar... know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. You know what it means. Um, on, hang on here. Uh, Phil, pronounce that. What's uh, Studio de Penate? That's that's who I'm watching. I wanted to hear if you were, if I was pronouncing it right, and I I wasn't. I was saying Penatus. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, but Empanatus. Uh, what? Yeah. No, but um, speaking of cigar box guitars and whatnot, this is a, a young man in a French speaking country. Now I was wrong, by the way. My last French speaking person was actually Belgium, from Belgium. Um, the, the, yeah. the model car from a few weeks ago. So we, yeah, was... I, uh, I'm, I think I spoke to her on Instagram. So I'm Jolene, right? Yeah. 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 So she, she told us that she's from Belgium, not France. Very close. They're, they share a border. <laughs> hey, Sorry. geography is never boring except for right now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, th- this gentleman made a beautiful, um, cigar box guitar type thing. Out of uh, essentially a, ten, I forget what he called it, a tenor, but it was just beautiful. It was made out of pallet wood and, and scrap wood, all reclaimed. Um, and and the, the styling of it and whatnot is beautiful. And he's made some other instruments as well. It's a very small channel. He has like 32 subscribers when I was there. So we need to fix that and go check out this stuff. Uh, it was a fun video and a, and a, um, a Done. build. Done. Do it. Do it. Um, let's do Mark next. Okay. Yeah, let's do Mark. Um, I actually have been kind of taking a woodworking break in terms of consumption. I have been playing a lot of video games lately because my kids are not sick right now and everyone's sleeping and it's fantastic. And I just jinxed it. I just jinxed it. So that's going to end tonight, I'm sure. So I've been able to stay up, you know, late and play some video games. So I've actually been watching a lot of uh, video game walkthroughs and things for the, for the games I'm playing. Cause I like to cheat. Um, aside, <laughs> aside from that, uh, so casual. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't everybody, um, the other thing is uh, in in researching a chair build that we're going to be doing in the guild here soon, uh, a dining chair. I was looking for things that were like close to what I wanted to to build. And uh, there's a particular video series by Matthew Teague, and it's in the fine woodworking um, premium area. So they've got their whole like you pay I don't know thirty or forty bucks a year, and you get access to all these different builds. Uh, but Matthew Teague has this gorgeous 
very straightforward dining chair. And a lot of the, the building methodology he's doing in there is something that I want to incorporate into my build. So I've actually really just been enjoying that series. And it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, even these days, there's still sometimes you just can't find everything you need uh, on YouTube. So you have to go to a premium service like that to, to be able to find exactly what you're looking for. Uh, so Teague's chair is, is absolutely gorgeous. It was a, a good build. So enjoying that. Cool. Nice. Awesome. Um, I am watching somebody that uh, I think everybody except for me already watches. Uh, this It's AVE. Do you guys know who this is? Uh, yes. Yeah, that guy's crazy. Yeah, he is, guy. First of all, he's Canadian, so that's what we've hey. contributed. He's crazy, eh? He, it, he says the funniest things. So I just started watching him and binging, and he says like some expressions that I, I can't say. Otherwise, I have to beat myself here. But, Keep your uh, stick on the ice. Yeah, well, there's those. I gotta, I gotta admit, I kind of avoid that channel. That channel's a little bit uh, past my my um, rated G level. Really? You have a G level? I know, yeah. it's, I'm telling you. Anyway. I know I look like the world's toughest, most handsome older gentleman you've ever seen, but <laughs> I have sensibilities. Did you see his uh, festival? Yeah. Speaking of your festival sander there, Tim, did you see his teardown of the TS-55? I have not seen that yet, but that's one of it's my favorite good. things about his channel. He's I, like, here's a great tool. Let's take it apart. <laughs> yeah. No, but he was he, – he ripped it and he was complimentary. Like on the – I think it was like the universal gear that's inside. He's like, wow, this was made really, really well. And then he looks in deeper and he goes, it's a brass bushing. You'd think they would have put in a bearing. Yeah, so he, it was like – Yep. He's very honest, and he knows, like, he knows oh, these yeah. tools. He knows what he's talking about. He knows he's the industry. He's taken apart so many tools. Just on his YouTube channel, he's taken apart so many tools. Yeah. The guy, knows, you know. He's from the industry. He must be from the industry. He knows too much to well, just he, from. He's a machinist. Yeah, I feel like he's been in the biz. Like, he knows all the factories. He might have been machinist in a factory that made tools. Who knows? I don't know. You could ask him, but he probably won't tell you because he has this whole little, like, kind of the, the neighbor in. And a home improvement thing going on. Here. Yeah, he's, he's like Wilson. He's, he's very, yeah, he's very uh, secretive about who he is. But he's yeah. got such a such a great personality. Oh uh, man, so funny, so funny. yeah. And like some super Canadian expressions that he uses. So. Yeah, yeah. Half the time I don't understand what the hell he's saying. Uh, drop me a line. I'll I'll send you a little translation. <laughs> translation. Yeah. yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> yeah, some subtitles in English would be great. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do a Phil. <laughs> Phil, you can do a, a voiceover of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A voiceover of a voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he's trying to say. <laughs> is that you got to work with the equipment you've been given. <laughs> if you've seen one of the videos he just did recently, you know what I'm saying. Okay. Um, all right. So that was cool. And uh, and I think we can do the old uh, the old sign-off here. So on uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, I'm Phil Pinsky. Check out MakerTechReviews.com. Uh, where, where were we on this? Am I doing yours or do you want to do yours? You do it all. I do it all. WilliamLutz.com for all things William Lutz. Uh, we continue to thank Justin Sparks for that website. Uh, TimSway.net for all things Tim Sway. Thank you to Jason Payne. Although presumably you did pay him, right? Yeah, in, in hugs. In, in hugs. A, a little bit okay. of Canadian currency, you know. <laughs> huh, yes. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. Mark, I'm sure you've got a, a wood... Uh, a website or two that you'd like to plug? Uh, yes, I have a GoDaddy site that I just started. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my, my main website is thewoodwhisperer.com, and we also have a podcast similar to what uh, you guys do every week, and it is uh, called Wood Talk at uh, woodtalkshow.com. Similar to what we do. Nice try. That's like <laughs> a Bentley saying it's similar to a Civic. We're, we're a reliable car, but we're no Bentley. They both, it's three they guys both talking. The drive-thru, you know? yeah. <laughs> three guys talking crap. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Congrats again on 10 years, Mark. That's yeah, that's awesome. huge. Pretty amazing. Yeah, that's, I didn't yeah, realize that. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, we're in the 10th year of the Wood Whisperer, and then April 1st was our 10th year for Wood Talk. Oh, I, I get it. April 1st. Yeah, it, yeah it, I wish it was a joke. It actually <laughs> was, a, it was a joke that we just never stopped telling. So <laughs> for 10 years, but yeah, man, 10 years. That's crazy. I'm in podcasting. We are ancient. Wow. No, yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You're definitely, uh, founding fathers of the, of the genre. Really, yeah. And that I saw this picture once of Mark in a magazine and he was, um, podcasting with the stone oh boy, which, tablet which magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, um, Woodrock. 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wood rock. That's right. That's how we used to communicate. <laughs> so is that a Flintstones reference? You've, you've already Flintstone sized. Ah, very good. That, that would be if <laughs> Phil. Flint- that's a cartoon that we used to watch back when we were younger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, contact us for show topics, suggestions. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Reclaimed Audio or uh, by email if you want to leave us something a little bit more in depth. Info at ReclaimedAudioPodcast.com. Uh, leave us a iTunes review. I should have said N iTunes review. Uh, take the 30 seconds. It really helps in getting more people listening to the podcast. And ultimately, isn't that what we're trying to do here, guys? Well, you, should al- you should also leave Wood Talk an iTunes review if you haven't done that already. And yeah, you listen to us. And you listen. So I just wanted to share. Thanks, Thank neighbor. You. Thanks, neighbor. That's very nice of you. Yeah. It's very nice of you. Yeah, the old, the old. It's almost like he's Canadian. I also wanted to interrupt you because that's sort of one of our traditions. Yes, here. that appears to be something we're just doing now. <laughs> Patreon.com slash reclaimed audio is a terrific way to show us how much you appreciate what it is that we do. And I believe, Mark, you also have a Patreon page. Yes, I have two, in fact, because I'm greedy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we have one. I've heard for that the about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the money. Um, Patreon.com slash Woodwhisper and Patreon.com slash Woodtalk. Terrific. Excellent. Terrific. I think I see that Patreon page. It's right around the ridge line. <laughs> I, I think I get what you're doing there. Because we said the greedy thing. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Forget it. <laughs> A little too cerebral. Honda money, baby. Yeah, there, there it is. There, there's the (laughs) old obvious. Okay. Oh, a a truck. I get it. Yes. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that uh, that does it for us. Thank you, Mark, for uh, for being on with a couple of clowns here and Bill. So we really appreciate that. And uh, (laughs) well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thanks. Uh, Have a great week, guys. Be good. Adios. Bye, everybody.